Jason, as it is each and every week, the Lee Summit Town Hall Podcast is brought to the good people by Budget Blinds of Lee Summit. Budget Blinds! Hey, they are the home of our robot shade overlords. All hail. All hail, that's right. Automated shades provide a safer environment for children and pets due to their cordless nature. And guess what? Those programmable features... They allow you to use heating or cooling only when you need it, maximizing your home's energy efficiency. So your robot over shade overlords will bring you energy efficiency and increased safety. It's better for all. Submit now. Resistance is futile. Wow. I think they might take money back for the Star Trek <laughs> reference. <laughs> Go visit our friends at Budget Blinds right in the heart of downtown. Tell them Jason next to you. All hail. Hello and welcome to this Friday Conversation edition of the Lee Summit Town Hall podcast. I have invited Hubert Neth and Hans Koshman back to the table this week. Uh, we started a few weeks ago. We had a nice talk about Christmas, about the role of churches in our community and, and, and your perspectives on that. And when we left, we had a side conversation. So I want to come back and have that again. And, and this was really, Hans, I think an idea your wife had to talk about oh yeah you're pointing to yourself like it was all you mm -hmm, but that's like, right take credit we, we all know okay where the brains are we know where the brains <laughs> in your family are but we wanted to talk about sadness because sometimes we're so busy trying to portray our celebration and our happiness during christmas that we forget sadness happens okay. even even during the christmas season did I did I uh, did I summarize that correctly? That's about right. There That's we why go. we're here today. There we go. Before we start, Hans, I, I have a question for you because I gave you an assignment in the last the last episode that you were on. You did. I challenged you to climb under your Christmas tree and stare up to see if it really is as magic as my mother likes to proclaim. I did this, and we have a real Christmas tree this year for the first time ever because it was a gift from a friend, and I went underneath there. On my back, my daughter joined me, my three-year-old was next to me, and I looked up, and we were like, wow. And I snapped a picture, and I sent it to you, you too, did. to prove that I did this. And it is really magical. It's a view that we never see. So another perspective is enriching this time of year, and that's maybe why we're here, another perspective. I think it's always good to change change our perspectives on things, and, and, and this is a doing that it's a christmas memory i will always remember from from when i was young and and my mother who is about to turn 75 sent me a text a few weeks ago with a picture i'm under the tree looking up and it's magical have you ever done it hubert no i'm gonna challenge you i'll try i'm gonna challenge you it's pretty magical it's fun it's a, it's a, i don't know i don't know what it is there's something there there's something there. I'm a believer in Christmas magic. Turn the lights on the Christmas tree on, but the other room lights turn off. Make yeah. it even better. It does. And if somebody's baking you something special on the side, that makes it even better. <laughs> <laughs> that may, yeah. Maybe a little mug of hot chocolate when you're done. <laughs> even better. Well, let's let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about Christmas, and, and let's kind of get in a little bit about what well, you called it, Blue Christmas. And yes. and when you said it, I was like, I, I'm not a fan of the Elvis song. When you said it. So, so tell me a little bit about where you're coming from. It's not as much about the Elvis song. It's this idea of having a time and place in the congregation, in the community, where people can come and deliberately having a service, a space to be sad or to grieve or to remember or to just lay bare our hurts before God 
and not pretend that everything's okay when everything's not okay. And to give ourselves that time and place to say, yes, we can be open and honest before God. And we call it blue Christmas because the blue, the sadness. And it really is a special time that really no time in our culture really provides for this because everything in our culture says, be happy, be joyful, be light. If you're not this way, well, we, you know, put on a good face for family, put on a good face for church. No, put on your real face, be honest, take off the mask, show who you are. And before God, who knows your heart, who knows who you are, show that and give yourself the freedom to say, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. This is what my struggle is, or this is just life. And maybe it's not what I wanted. Was there a moment that you, you, you first noticed that happening? I mean, this isn't the first church you've, you've led, but was there, was there a surprise moment or was there something, oh, that's different. I picked this up when I was in seminary. So other churches have done it, and it's been a tradition for many people for many years. So this is the first time we had it. We just had it at our, the Lutheran Church here in Lee Summit, and it was a fantastic service. People were crying. People were joyful. People were all over the place with emotions relieved. So, it was so a this is a special, and I kind of misunderstood that, but this is a, a, a special intentional service. Hey, if you're feeling a little down. If, if maybe this isn't the most celebratory time of year for you, either just this year or every year. Or if you want to remember a loved one. So we lit candles kind of like on All Saints Sunday where you come up, you got the lighted candle or remember a loved one who is not with you for that eggnog, for that special hot chocolate, for that special looking up the Christmas tree that you miss. You say, I want you to be here, but you're not here to remember those people, too. Is this something you've practiced, Hubert, in your in your career? Well, often my opening hook at Christmas is, let me give you something. Let me tell you, you don't have to be happy here at Christmas. That's a a recurring statement for you. Yes. Why did that become a regular hook? Why did that become a regular part of your message during the season? Because I've heard too many people who for good reasons are sad at Christmas. It, well, you know, and I I still hear it. I hear it almost every year. You know, my family's getting together. Well, you know, we don't get along very well, and I dread it. I'll be glad when it's over, but I'm going. And I'm going to my wife's family because they get along less than we do. And I don't want to go. But we go out of obligations. Or or let me, yeah, you know, here's a guy. And this is a general church thing. I've been in churches, and I go, and you know, somebody had, we'll say cancer. And it's in remission. They think it's gone. So they come and they get their friends together and they stand up and say, hey, God heard me. I'm healed. Everybody prayed. God hears our prayers. Thank you for praying. But you know what? Sitting on the back row that morning is a guy whose wife just died with cancer. Mm-hmm. And he thinks... I prayed, and my friends prayed, and my group, and my wife died. So I must have done something wrong, or I must be bad, because if I was good and had the right people praying for me, 
she would still be here. And I think that does more damage than can be repaired. You know, I don't blame the guy. I wouldn't come back. No, there. and I think there are a lot of people that struggle with it. And I will even say, my wife is a is a cancer survivor, and she has talked about she has first of all she has trouble with that word, survivor. Yeah. Um. But but also, you, she will say she feels like prayer and and the prayer of others played a role, in, in in her getting through it. But she also says then I then I think about well what about you know all those others that they prayed to and yeah, their friends played for them and their family. She said so I don't know how to feel about it. See and, it's and, a thin and, line. And we, we've talked about that about mm-hmm. how you know. We want to say that, yeah, we felt like that played a role in, in, in our lives now better. But how can you say that around somebody who it didn't turn oh, out better? Exactly. They didn't get through that ordeal. And, and yeah. we all know that cancer, yeah. whether you make it through or not, is an incredible ordeal. Yeah, my wife has said. But I had, well, I just, I just did a memorial service a couple of weeks ago to personalize this for a guy known, guy's wife who known a long time. She fell down about three stairs, hit her head. Had a brain bleed and died. This spring, I fell backwards down 14 stairs. I'm 25 years older than she is, and here I am. Well, first off, I'm going to say stop falling downstairs. (laughs) No more of that for anybody. They make those railings to hold on to. (laughs) Anyway, so you get survive. I understand that. I'm old enough now that most of the people who are dying are younger than me. And I walk away from a lot of graves thinking, why is she there and I'm here? It's the Holocaust thing. Only that one was writ large. Right. Well, let me ask you this. As as ministers, and I, I didn't properly reintroduce, Hans, you are the minister at um, Martin Luther Lutheran yeah. in Lee Summit. You are, congratulations, a recently retired kind as a of, kind, kind of. of yeah, you never really stop preaching, do you? Probably not. Every <laughs> but a day. Methodist minister in this town for 40-plus years. Well, I've lived here 30, a little over 30 years, yeah. Um, as ministers— how do you answer that for those that say, I prayed too, how is it real? How do you guys respond to that? Because that's an honest oh, question. It sure is. And as one who questions belief personally mm-hmm. off and on all the time, how do you respond to that? This is the classic question of why do bad things happen to good people? And Exactly. In theology terms, this is called theodicy, the justice of God. How can a just good God permit evil or bad things to happen. And we don't theologically talk about how God permitted this or God did this. Rather, we talk about how God is with us through the suffering and through the pain. Um, Life is fragile. And that's a hard lesson for us because we want to think we're impervious to everything. We are invincible, but we're not. And the more blessed we are, the more successful we are in this town, the more we think we are invincible and nothing will hurt us. But our life is very fragile, and that's the thing that we don't want to acknowledge. But God is with us, and that's why we're coming up to the gospel reading this Sunday about where they say, you know, call Jesus Emmanuel, God with us. That's a theological thing that we really hold on to through the theodicy issue of the suffering happens, but you're not alone through the suffering. God is with you through it all. And that's, for me, the biggest comfort that I get. Do you follow a same... Response? Well, Keep close. It. Of course, I, that's one of those questions for which I have no answer. But 
I'm not sure that but anybody think, has. No, I think that's the. I yeah, I I can buy his some. <laughs> not but that that's he, any he just, credit to him. But, but, but <laughs> by the way, the Hubert stamp of approval but, just made him swell a little bit. But, a little bit, yeah. But some. Of course, if you push that far enough, yeah, it's the old, if God is God, he is not good. If God is good, he is not God. Hmm. I mean, and that's the that's the Gordian's knot. That's the. But you know what the guy said, whose wife died falling down, I, because I kind of said this sort of thing to right, him. Right, right. And you know what he said? It shows how. And I, I, I really appreciated him saying it to me. But he said, "Well, sometime we will understand." And that's the key. That's what gets. That's the something to hold on to, for people, you know. Well, by and by. That's their hope. <laughs> their hope one day. That's the hope. Yes. Is that? Do you think that's a part of of? Uh, and this is kind of going a different direction than we intended. But do you think that line and that line of thinking is up is a part of of your faith that it's. A matter of continual education and learning and, and, and hope that at some point in life, in afterlife, whatever you, you wherever you are, that you understand, that you will understand, that you, you will can, have the knowledge? It, can, am, I, am I asking that even right? Yes, but you can dig that approach right out of the scriptures if you want to. The scripture, that, you know, the Bible is a big collection oh, of sure. books. Oh, sure. Now point out my ignorance. Thanks. And you can pull out. Well, try this. If you're righteous and good and follow God, God will love and stay with you. If you're not, and if you follow early in our evolution, it was called other gods, then God abandons you and you suffer. That's scripture. Some scripture. I wish I could. And now the prosperity gospel and the whole movement of that was a great American approach, you know. Look, you you look at the people who are prosperous and successful and acceptable in town, that's because they're good, they're righteous. If you're poor. That means there's something wrong with you. Right. And that, whew, you can still hear that today in more churches than I'd like to count. I wish I could remember uh, the the exact line, but if I remember right, in the old uh, C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia, there was a there was a, a line taken straight from that scripture you quoted about about doing good in the name of another. I wish I could remember the, the Hans or the quote, Hans, you look like maybe you are remembering it. <laughs> do you do you remember this 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 no, bar? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Well I'm no. a few bars. <laughs> <laughs> if it were a song I would. But um, actually no I wouldn't. I don't want to torture anybody with my singing. Um, 
I think that's where I I have I I take a lot of issue. I think I think people struggle with that. You should take issue with it because, as Huber pointed out, it's bad theology. It's the prosperity gospel where mm-hmm. Jesus said it rains on the righteous and unrighteous alike. Yeah. Cancer sadly comes to those who are righteous and unrighteous alike, as do good things and bad things. But we don't want to look down upon those who suffer or those who hurt. And that I'm I'm completely there with you here with that yeah. and the sad that is in too many churches in our community because we want in Lee Summit to be the prosperous suburb we want to be that little Joko the little Johnson County nobody want. wants to be Kansas yeah. <laughs> I didn't say Kansas I said Johnson County <laughs> but we want to be that prosperity and churches grow with the prosperity gospel and there are too many churches in Lee Summit who still preach prosperity gospel if you come here if you tithe if you give if you do this God will bless you uh, Jesus doesn't work that way not at all well, let's. Uh, I think we could go this way a lot, but I kind of I want to I want to yeah. steer back a, a, a little bit yeah. to to the idea, the idea about dealing with with sadness, dealing with 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 depression during a time when we all want to celebrate and we're asking everyone to celebrate with us. I, I'm I'm curious about how you do you feel do you feel a need to to find those that maybe need a little extra help. Those that maybe are struggling to to celebrate. Yeah, go ahead. You first, sir. Now, I don't think you have to go around hunting them. I well, think, I think I, I think, think mo- if your approach signals an openness, you'll find them. I think. I, I can tell you a story, but it isn't really a Christmas story. I, was, I have so many stories. Well, <laughs> let me tell you a real one from right now. I have a guy that I've known and met him when he lived in Lee Summit. Met him in the early 1990s. He was doing fair. He got hurt on a job. He was living with a gal. He'd always had some problems. I mean... Not because he was living with her, but he just anyway. His employer didn't have workman's comp, that headed him down, and he's been he's been homeless half the time in all the years since then. He calls me all the time, just becoming all the time, daily sometimes. He called me. He, and he doesn't live here. He lives up in Independence when he matters. Now, where he's staying, and it's kind of a rat hole, but at least it's not on the street. The guy sold the house. He called me and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. i got to be out of here in 10 days. That means I'll be on the street. Now, am I supposed to tell him? You know, I thought, I've thought about this a lot, and I could, I could say what our kind sometimes says. Well, look, maybe this is an opportunity to find a better place. That doesn't sell with him. So is he supposed to be happy? And I've thought, well, why does he call me? Well, and I want to, I want to, I want to pick in there a little bit because oh yeah, help yourself. I, I, um, 
in my job, I get to produce other people's podcasts as well as, as well as host my own, and, and I've I've been able to participate in some different groups and panel discussions, and I hear a lot of people who are in the motivational, inspirational world or in the self help world, and there's a lot of speeches about turn your frown upside down, about find the opportunity in the whatever bad thing. I'm losing my eloquence in trying to repeat what they say. But knowing that you guys are not not medical healthcare professionals, but is there something about that we need to change the way we talk and we respond to someone who's struggling instead of saying, how do you find the silver lining? Just look for that. You know, when one door closes, another opens. To just let's talk about the problem and that's okay. Well, kind of like I said, Emmanuel, God with us, be with the person. Don't try to fix it. And that's hard for somebody like, I'm a fixer. I don't know about you. I am a fixer. A fixer. I, want to f- I, I want to find that magic bullet for everyone I know. But just be present with them through the suffering, through the hard times. Be present and hear and listen. Genuinely let them know that you are listening and you're there to listen. That's probably why he called you, Hubert, because oh, you might pick up the phone where others yeah. won't even pick up the phone. And I think this may be a peculiar approach. I tell people more often than not, maybe not. It all depends on perception, and I make lots of mistakes. But I tell people, look, even about, you know, you got to realize. And we'll take, the, we'll take the thing about parents at Christmas and families. I, I've told people more than I should have maybe. Look, you got to realize your dad isn't going to change. He can't change. The place to begin for you is to accept that your dad is your dad. Sure, he has lots of problems. Sure, he's depressed half the time. But you're not going to fix that. And I've got news. He's not going to change. And once, it's like the guy who says, and there's a pretty good book by a guy who says this. He says, you know, he, he, had, he got paralyzed. And he said, I kept thinking, I'll walk again, I'll walk again, I'll walk again. He went through all of the therapy. He did all the right things. And he said, you know what helped me most? What helped me most was the day I realized it's never going to be any different. And it's never going to be any better. I'll be paralyzed the rest of my life. There are lots of people with a lot. We all have certain. I have weaknesses, believe it or not, you know. And I, there are things about me that I don't like. And as old as I am now, I've kind of decided they may never change. It, what are you trying to to impart in that? Because I think what you're I think what you're saying. You can tell me wrong if I'm wrong. I think what you're saying is there is some kind of power in acceptance oh, of yeah. things you can't Big control, time. of uh, acceptance of vulnerability, acceptance of weakness. So what what are you trying to impart to people then that you are counseling as a minister? What are you trying to impart? Like I guess how do you how do they then find that power? 
Oh, see, so you're back to the how-tos. If you just did the right thing, <laughs> I don't know. See, the I'm answer. a fixer. I want to. Yeah, fix it. you bet you are. Well, and I'm also I'm I'm also trying to understand. I guess I guess your your approach and and what you are trying to do. Well, it all depends on how much they can handle and how much you can handle saying and your relationships. But at times, there is a moment to say, "Look, you know what your enemy is right now." hope <laughs> you're living with the hope that it's going to be different and it's going to get better and it's going to change that is it's that not. is odd for me to hear hope being used as the negative and I, I, I struggle mm-hmm. I, I understand what you're saying my brain has trouble kind of wrapping around that no that's fine I I don't I don't present this because I love that word. I don't present this approach because I nat- naturally recommend it. I don't. No, no. I, 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 but don't. I think somebody has to represent it. That is one of my favorite words, and yeah. and, and to hear you put it in a context that I, I do understand, but to, it, it's it's almost foreign to me. Well, sorry about that. <laughs> I don't want to mess up your mind, baby. No, no, no. It's interesting. I, I think this goes back to what we said at the very beginning, talking about the tree. Perspective is yeah. important. To- it is, but I just some for and the church. Somebody has to be the church for people who can't go any place else. They can't go home. They can't change their circumstances. And somebody has to say, when you can't go anyplace else in the world, you can come here. Well, I think that goes back a little bit to the conversation the three of us had a few weeks ago about church in the community. And so is there something there to that that sanctuary purpose that you, you pointed out there? About that, that's, that's a role? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what it is, a sanctuary. You know, I I dealt with homeless guys down in Westport because I was there first place after I retired. We fed homeless. I ate with homeless every day. And you know what I find generally about church people? And this is a terrible generalization. (laughs) They're really happy to help. They're really happy to give food or money. They're really happy to come once in a while. But they don't want to sit by those people every Sunday because they smell and they may stand up at the wrong time and start testifying. We love helping them, but we don't want them in our church. Not really. Do you find that in our community? Oh, I don't know about here. I mean, I don't know. I think if we're not careful... (laughs) <laughs> Everybody picks their crowd. Hmm. Okay, so you 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 have talked a little the, the two of you a little about kind of your roles of of you, you've had these these a special service you how you notice someone struggling in your I'm gonna, I'm going to use the cliche word in your flock. Um, I like to throw out cliches every once in a while. It makes me happy. Um, what would you say to other people, to just the, the 
common what, parishioner, member of your congregation, or anyone out in public walking around, should we as just people, should we be cognizant of demanding everyone celebrate with us during uh, – well, during any time, but during this – I mean, this is a time of year when we're all saying, hey, we're all happy, holly jolly. Should we all be a little more cognizant that, that people struggle? Absolutely. We always should be aware of who people are and where they're coming from and what struggles they may be having. And what I say here should not be any different than what I preach or what I tell my congregation. So I need to be consistent in that. We need to be consistent across, consistent across the board. We should always be looking out for who is there and trying to get to know them. What are their battles? Um, Huber, you brought up the issue about people who we don't want in church, the undesirables. We, that is a huge issue in Lee Summit. It's a real issue. And I give my congregation a lot of praise. They're fantastic about welcoming people regularly. A couple times a year, we always have a homeless person come by. Um, one lady who's come by several times. We've known her. We invite her in. We get her there. We welcome her in. We get her some hot coffee, hot chocolate, whatever she like. We help her out. And there's another gentleman who came by. We helped him. And he broke down tears because he said that the other churches turned him away. And one church even called the police on a homeless person. And their congregation, because he came asking for money, and one of their ushers, greeters, felt threatened. So they called the police, and I said, no, no, no. I know this guy. We've helped him. We, we He's okay. But this church, for whatever reason, that greeter, usher, whoever was, felt threatened by this homeless guy coming in. So they called the police. And that broke my heart, because that's the opposite of what we should be doing. It's a tough issue today, what with everybody carrying a gun. Well, I think we, you got to watch. I mean, I we we, you know, we I have become want, very safety a, conscious. Oh, and that's a big issue. Do I want look at the guy? Look at the church in the south that let the guy in, even prayed, and then he pulled his gun out and shot twelve people. You know, I mean, it's a it, well, and and church security a, has become big business. Oh, it's a big issue. Well, security in general. Well, and I. It's, and security thrives on fear. Well, it does, but it's also real, and I don't, I don't want to disparage those who. And there's some reason when that homeless guy comes. You know, you never know. You never know about the the junior in high school who's a very active in your youth group, but who has things going on inside his head and between people well and i think that's a, a level of a level of maybe mental health beyond kind of what we're, we're we've been talking about um and i and i'm i'm hesitant to go <laughs> to, oh yeah to, well i don't we don't there. have to, i just you know, it's it's even though we have differences it's almost too bad we think a lot alike. I mean, where you get two people who think a lot alike, then you really need somebody around who thinks differently. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's. Uh, Is there something about? Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna kind of reverse a little bit. Yeah. Following I took up the. You down. No, it's okay. It's yeah, okay. I, 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 I. That's no. why I like when I have you on. Is because we get to go okay. a lot of different directions and. <laughs> And these get get to be fun, freewheeling conversations. But I want to go backward a little bit to to again talking about being aware, whether we're we're a minister or just everybody. Should we also think about the words we use, the language, the language we use? I, I read because I, I really did feel very inadequate 
and ill-prepared to lead this kind of discussion. I'm not trained in anything that we're talking about other than how to use the mic and be obnoxious. So, but, so I did some reading. And one of the things I read, there, was, uh, there were several articles that were about sometimes just saying happy holidays can be enough, overwhelming enough for someone who's having a bad day, a bad month. Or just that, that that's all that can be too much. And to be aware, and I don't want to say, hey, we should never say happy holidays or Merry Christmas to people again, but I like positivity, but I think also should we be aware? How to, and how can we be aware of the words we choose and with the audience that's in front of us? There's a lot to that. That's a loaded There's question. A lot and I'm going to ask you to step on the cliff. Okay, jumping over. So we always should be aware of our words because they are powerful. And the context and the person, the audience, all those things make a huge difference. I've even seen people use the phrase Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays as, as almost a dig at people, as a way to, you know, they're having a bad day and you just get Happy Holidays. Do it almost sarcastically mm-hmm. with a smile on knowing that they're we've unhappy. All, we've all seen it and probably Have been guilty. It. Yeah. So we can even use that, which should be a loving, joyful thing as a weapon against people back at you. Hey, Merry Christmas to you. We were at a uh, one of the, the stores, my family, last weekend. And, and as you know, and during this time of year, stores are crazy and busy. And in the rush of trying to get as many people through her register line as she could, it was kind of uh, almost the the uh, the robotic Merry Christmas to us as we left, and my wife and I both just turned back and said Merry. We didn't think of it; just said Merry Christmas to you too. And she stopped and took a big breath and was like, "Thanks, I needed that." And so, I, words matter. Words are important. But I guess I, I guess I was trying to think of the reverse of how that from from those stories I read. I was trying to think of the reverse to where where that might make people uncomfortable. We don't know what battles they're facing, what issues they have, what scars they have, so we don't know. They could always be carrying something. Do you really want somebody to jump off the cliff? I will. Do it. Because I, and I've made this speech countless times. I've served in my experience churches from open country to small town, to county seat, to university and military, to the middle of the city and to a suburb. Very small and pretty big. I have never been in any congregation where there wasn't someone who was, as the term used to be, homosexual. So, and you know how church people are. <laughs> Look how squeaky clean Hallmark got in trouble. <laughs> I've always said, "Look, your view is your view, but please be careful, because the guy sitting next to you, the guy who's been your friend for thirty years, may have wrestled with his sexual." feelings for all that time. So just remember, when you rail against it, you may be talking 
to the person who's been sitting beside you in church all your life. I'm not sure the best way to follow up. Pray for the United Methodist Church as they continue to struggle oh, through this. Oh, are we ever? We're on the other side. It gets better on the other side. Yeah, I hope so. Well, I, but you see, what I'm going to challenge you though and say that are, are are there really any that are not still struggling with those issues? And whether we're talking about sexuality, gender identities, race, I mean, joy at Christmas, yeah. No one's perfect. We all struggle with things. We churches struggle with things. I, I've always said, you know, you lived in this town a good while. You've got, but you never really know what goes on behind the closed doors on your street. Here comes a woman to church. Why does she always wear long sleeves? Even in the summer, she wears long sleeves because her husband, who is an usher and sings in the choir and is on the board of trustees, beats her up almost every Saturday. And she comes with long sleeves because she doesn't want anybody to show her bruises. So, okay, we noticed that. What do we do? Whether I'm just someone in the congregation, whether I'm a deacon, whether I'm a minister, Oh, I think the most you can do sometimes is just remind people. You just remind them. And some people will head out the door and never come back. But you got to take that risk. You just remind people. It's a big world, and you never know, as he, as he said, and as some say, thankfully, you never know what someone else is going through. So I'm going to ask you guys this then, and I kind of want you both to answer. What then is your message to, to, to everyone? Because you want people to celebrate this, right? You want people to celebrate, but you also want people to be aware and to be, be responsible for each other. So what is your message? How do you, how do you put that into a, a message that includes all of those things and the many spokes to the wheel that we just talked around, um, which I'm fine with because I think all of those things need to be covered. But how do you, how do you then put that into a, into a message to all of your congregants, to your community that you serve? How do you, how do you make that message? The things we talked about today don't oftentimes get heard from the pulpit and that's shame on us because we need to talk more about abuse homelessness, the real issues in our community and not pretend everything's okay, including mental health. And uh, one of the reasons I brought up the topic with you about this a while ago was the idea of getting that out there from the church perspective of we need to be open and welcoming and affirming for those who are struggling with mental health issues, for those who are, who are just sad. And there's a difference. Um, did some numbers, a little research on that up to 60 million Americans experience seasonal blues. They get sad this time of year. That's not the same as the 18 million Americans who experience seasonal affective disorder, SAD. That is a clinical depression. That is something that a professional in the mental health arena needs to be aware of and work with you and help you on. And for I always try to point to the experts and point to those who can help. 
I'm a fixer. That's how I fix. And uh, <laughs> Rediscover. Here in Lee Summer, I've worked with them through Lee Summer Cares. Rediscover is fantastic. Their number is 966-0900. That number again for Rediscover is 966-0900. And they have a crisis line. So if people are struggling, if people are genuinely hurting this time of year, we've heard for you know many years that depression and suicide go up during Christmas time and during the winter time. If you are suicidal, if you are thinking about hurting yourself or others, they have a crisis line. It's 1-888-279-8188. That number again is 888-279-8188 for Rediscover's crisis line. Because for those people who really do struggle with mental health issues or those who struggle with suicidal issues, and you've been partnering with the community in that battle already reach out find someone to help don't be isolated don't just say well i'm not going to go to church because i'm sad or i'm not going to do this because i'm struggling or i'm not going to do that because that's where the enemy gets the foothold that's where the battle gets lost when we isolate ourselves and we don't open up or reach out when we need to reach out and so that's probably where i would say open up the pulpits talk more about this we need to be doing i need to be doing a better job with that especially let people know there is a space for you like blue christmas that was a space for that for people to grieve or lament or cry or, but there's also a space with rediscover where people who need help not just sadness but depression or anxiety or if those things that are not just oh they come and go once in a while if you feel this and or if you feel like hurting yourself call that number i don't know how how fair this is but so i'm gonna ask you guys, i'm gonna do it anyway because that's what i do um do you feel like your role is to bridge a gap? There, there, we've talked about sadness. You just talked about depression, and and if you're you know if you're hurting, you're in a crisis. Here are some numbers to call some professionals. Is there um, what what what's your role in that spectrum? What is the role of the minister in that spectrum? Well, I think the role of the minister in the church is the same. Stay with people. Don't give them signals of make them feel like, ooh, you've got a problem. Stay with them. Accept them. Walk through it with them. Sort of be a, well, I guess to use a cliche, everybody needs a hand to hold sometimes. You be that hand for them to hold. Don't pretend, and I, in another era when there weren't as many good professionals, I've probably crossed that line sometime. I've tried to deal with issues that I should have left alone as a solver, and I'm aware of that now. But, but at least, at least you can say to people, this is... All of us got troubles. This is a place you can come. These are people you can stay with. Let me let me ask kind of the the, the flip the flip of that. How can you also be a leader to say, tell everyone else how to how to provide that hand to hold or how to help others? Because I think look the the one common thing I've learned over the last couple of years is is that we all have to talk about it. We have to push past the stigmas and be able to open up and be there for each other and you know hold the hand and help them get to where they need to get to but how do so how do you how do you lead the other people into playing those roles 
we're actually bad examples of that pastors mm-hmm. deal with depression and pastors rarely ever get help and pastors have a higher rate of suicide than the average population because we don't think we can reach out to anyone because we think no one's there for us right. and someone's always there for you and now the hard part is we think we're isolated or we think no one's there for us but there is someone there for you so to answer your question simply we're not a good example actually we're the we're the worst profession one of the worst professions uh, examples for that but to reach out when you need help and to know you're not an island. You're not by yourself. Okay. How can you be a better example? Well, if I was struggling, I'd have to call someone. I'd have to, I have a spiritual director. I have people that I see regularly that, so I'm not by myself. So even though I'm, a, I'm pastor in congregation, my wife is, is co-pastoring with me. I don't do it all myself. Kind of the old expression with, an attorney represents himself in court. He has a fool for a client. Too many <laughs> pastors have a fool for a parishioner yeah. when they think they can be their own <laughs> pastor. Yeah. And so I have a spiritual director, someone I see and someone I go to. And, and, and I also have a coach and I have a mentor and I have these other people that I, and that's how I live by example where I know that I need someone else. So I can't do it on my own. So I have to reach out for them. Do we need more stories from pulpits, from microphones about people struggling, real people struggling in, in real time. Is, is that the kind of thing well, that we've would help? got the perfect story, the perfect story. Here's a guy born nowhere who most everybody would have paid no attention to. I mean, at best makes legend with history some guys who worked the night shift tending sheep, who smelled, who were not acceptable in town. I mean, they could go at the dewdrop, but they couldn't go to synagogue, you know? <laughs> you know? Born there. Born of a couple who how'd she get pregnant? Nobody knows. Doesn't matter. Say, who grew up? Dad may have died young or older than him. Learned a trade. Then he kind of hit the road. Started reaching out to people nobody would touch. And the powerful people, the government, the church, said, you know, this guy's dangerous. And so finally they arrested him and tried him and executed him. You're telling me that we don't have the perfect story for people who have problems? Did he ever have problems? You just used uh, the gospel, I think, to... uh, to to explain that, which is probably your job. I don't know why I'm acting like this is. He's the master. Th- this of it. is, uh, you know, like this is surprising that that you know a couple a couple of preachers that could 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 do that. But uh, I didn't expect you to go there with that answer. Well, I hate to disappoint you. <laughs> not disappointed. Not not disappointed. I understand. Just, I'm just that, that surprised me, and you know, I'm being the bad the bad interviewer who who uh, <laughs> doesn't know the answer that's coming. Uh, that's uh, that's that that's on that's on me. 
Um, and I, I had a couple of follow-ups in my head, and, and but I, I, I was afraid that then that would take us like seven more directions than we've already bounced around today. Um, but I, I want to appreciate, I want to thank you guys for, for, for coming back to have this conversation. I think it's important to, 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 to note all the things that are going on and, and to, to show how we can work to recognize everyone in, in our community and how we can help them. May I say just one thing? Sure. To him. And you don't know whether I'm telling the truth or a lie or <laughs> blood smoke. He's way down the road from me. I'm yesterday. And his replies have been a real, and I have been a real help to me. And they give me, here's your word, hope for the future, for the faith. And I'm very glad set with him today. I'm honored. Thank you. Well, that means a lot. Don't. Well, I, 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 I may just be soft soaping <laughs> you. You don't know. I'll take it. Hey, that's a gold star in my book. That's a gold star. <laughs> you, you take it where you can get it. But also, yeah, right. also I'm going to say this because I think one of the things that we were talking about here is we've, we've talked about perspective and we've talked about inclusion of all stories. So I'm going to say maybe you, you shouldn't say you're, you're – on down the road and yesterday because I think what we're saying is that everybody's story matters no matter where you're at in in your life. So, no, you don't get to get off that easy, Cooper. <laughs> you still matter. You're still an awesome part of this community, and, yeah. and, I, and I appreciate your friendship and, and, and coming on a few times. And also, just a little teaser before we started talking – Hubert read one of his poems. He says it's his favorite Christmas poem he ever read. So stay tuned. Christmas Day, the Christmas Day episode of Lee Summit Town Hall, you're going to hear it. We are going to put that out there for everyone. Hans. Thank you. Hubert, thank you both so much for, for joining me in these conversations, but also for the work you do in the community. It means a lot to so many people. Thank you. Thank you. You have been listening to Lee Summit Town Hall, a link to Lee Summit podcast with hosts Nick Parker and Jason Norberry. A proud member of the Fredcast Network, you can subscribe to this podcast on most of your favorite podcast apps and catch us every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for all the news, analysis, and conversations on the Lee Summit community. Connect with us on Facebook at Link to Lee Summit or on Twitter at LS Town Hall. Lee Summit Town Hall.